I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are to dive into another film and give it a good old review. We're always diving into different ones, new and old, and today is no different. And as I'm sure you know by now, it's not just me. As much as I love waffling into the microphone myself, my trusted steed, partner in film crime, and man of the moment himself, it is, of course, film reviewing maverick. Callum, how are you doing today? Callum. Yes, Marcus. I am I'm alive. I'm here. Yeah, I'm good. Um very well. Uh winter is well and truly here, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you you've been watching a lot of films in the uh, the wintery season now, haven't you? I've been watching a lot of movies. My list is still growing. I am um, I'm keeping a list in my phone. This is great oh, to see that, like, really being on brand, really clearing through films on a regular basis. Yeah, well, I'm just making more of an effort to watch movies that I've never seen before. Um, don't get me wrong, I love to sit and watch movies that I've seen multiple times, but it's just quite nice to um, find the time to watch a film that you've never seen before. Um, plus, movies that I should have seen, really. Like I watched, I only watched Heat recently, I was telling you off mic, wasn't I? Mm-hmm. The Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, classic. Never watched that. Finally got around to watching it. I was just like, what have I, what have I been doing with my life? Evidently, not enough. Are you um, usually a Pacino and De Niro fan? Um, well, not really. I mean, I, I mean, Robert De Niro's classic movies. You know, Meet the Fockers, Meet the Parents. Um, amazing, really. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously, I've watched like like Taxi Driver is one of my favorite movies, um, of all time. Um, I can't say I watched many Al Pacino movies. Um, but it's one of those things. Though, Plenty of time. There is time, but it's one of those things. There was. I've said this before. When like you know, when something's waved in front of you like a severed head, saying that you yeah. must, you must appreciate this and you must watch it. It makes me not want to watch it. Um, however, I. Feel like I need to get a grip and just watch these classic movies because they're classics for a reason. Classics for a reason. Well, Um, I'm starting to work on my Christmas watching list at the minute because obviously you get a good amount of time over Christmas to watch some films, but I feel um, being the film officiados that we are, I don't want to waste the time just watching throwaway films. And sometimes when you're in that moment wanting to watch a film, you want those films behind you ready to lock and load rather than wasting your time um, thinking about it. So I've put a few films on my list that I want to watch that I've not seen, but there's also a few rewatches there. Uh, Groundhog Day is one of them. And the irony mm. is that I love watching that film over and over again. It's, you know, very, very rewatchable which is great. So I think that's going to be a good Christmas one. I'm also very excited to watch again. It's a wonderful life. I was, Christmas, yeah, I was literally which we that. reviewed yeah. on here and absolutely threw the praise onto. That's going to be a great Christmas watching. I might even sneak into a cinema to watch it this year, which get the full festive experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm finally yeah. going to push to get going on Lord of the Rings. I've promised you for oh. a long time that I will do it. So I think this Christmas period is, is finally going to have to follow through you've on that got to, You've got to watch the extended versions. I've been trying to get you to watch these for years. You have, Honest, haven't you? They're absolutely 
the best movies. They're, they're some of the best pieces of filmmaking. Well, um, I believe the time's come. I think I'm ready. It has, yeah. But oh, the thing is, I, I, no, I won't say anything. Okay. Yeah. I, I have this. I have this feeling you might be underwhelmed, and I don't. It'll ruin. It'll ruin them. It'll ruin we'll the dream. See. We'll see. Yeah, indeed. Let's well. wait. Let's wait. We're gonna have a special chat afterwards. Um, an exciting time for you and I. We've got um, a big, culturally filmy weekend ahead, as we're gonna both be in the big smoke together, putting the world to rights. So look out on our social media feed for some good posts of us wandering around the city of London, flannering and chatting and picking up coffees, because that will be us. I'm very excited to take these conversations into the real world and chew each other's ear off for 48 hours. Well, you, you come into my city now. You, you come <laughs> Wait, in, exactly. You're coming, you're coming to my city. Like I've abandoned the North, albeit temporarily, <laughs> possibly indefinitely. We'll never we'll wait and see. We don't know. Um, but I've got a lot of... I've got a lot... We can, we can sit in... Sit in a bar and pretend we're in, Ed, in, in an Edward Hopper painting. Um, Bring it on. Bring just, it on. That's yeah. what we like doing. So, but it's pretentious thing I said on a podcast, name-dropping Edward Hopper. Like. <laughs> <laughs> what, you, you saying something pretentious on the podcast? Never. Never, never. Well, you know, I've got to keep got to keep the brand identity up, haven't we? Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But um, that's that, and I'm sure we'll give you full updates of how we got on in the big smoke after our trip. But that's enough of the preamble chat, Callum, because we have got a film to review. Of course we've got a film to review. I'm a little bit giddy, as you might be able to hear in my voice, but I'll reveal why later. First, Callum, please can you indulge us with one of your classic overviews of this film and let us know what it is. So this was made four years after I was born, which makes me like it because it's a 90s movie. Um, anything born in the 90s, obviously, pre-internet, obviously has some sort of edge to it. It does in my mind, anyway. It is the 1998 American comedy film Rushmore, um, directed by Wes Anderson, um, written by Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson. Um, I was saying to you off my Owen Wilson, when he's with Wes Anderson, he's brilliant. Um yeah, anyway, so according to the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress, it is deemed as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Um, so it, well. must be, it must be good for all those reasons. Um, it follows the eccentric uh, 15-year-old scholarship student, Max Fisher. He's basically participating in a lot of extracurricular activities, um, at a private school called Rushmore Academy in Texas. Um, and he kind of struggles academically a little bit because he's constantly doing all these extracurricular things. Um, it kinda, he's, He comes from like a middle-class background, which kind of um, is at odds with the sort of wealthy, privileged um, rah-rah-rahs that seem to attend um, Rushmore Academy. But he wants to try and make his name known in a way it's there's a kind of like sort of almost like a sort of like self-determination american dream thing going on undercurrent of it in a way this you know this guy it's like kind of like a semi-rags to semi-riches type of idea um but basically it follows the life of this guy called max and he does all these extra activities he ends up getting kicked out of rushmore and he has a bit of a crisis falls in love with his widowed first grade um teacher uh ends up going to a different high school 
um, and like getting into loads of other relationships, like friendships, extracurricular, all that sort of stuff, um, and basically produces a really really funny play at the end about Vietnam. Um, that's Rushmore, in a very very brief nutshell. It's a movie about coming of age, the power of enthusiasm, the power of youth. I personally think it's a critique of the American patriarch, Vietnam, generally. Yeah, that's Rushmore. Thank you very much, Callum. Right. Always look forward to your review of the film. Even when I've seen the film, I look forward to hearing your overview synopsis. Thank you very much. I'm going to start off with my instant reaction and the reaction that has been with me ever since I watched it. I absolutely loved this film. It was amazing. Could not believe my luck at the end of it. Every minute of it was spot on. It just flew by. Like I enjoyed it so much. I kind of wanted to watch it immediately again afterwards. I'm not holding back on my praise here, Callum, because I adored this film. I thought it was everything I love about Wes Anderson distilled into one film. And I feel bad that I haven't watched this one earlier with it being one of his earliest productions it felt like every element of Wes Anderson that I love from other films i.e. the filming style the quirky comedy the themes of it um, the editing for example quite early on where it's flicking through all the different societies that he's in and it's like <laughs> and it's just like a frame of him like president of the beekeeper society duh, 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 the fencing team and it goes through all these wacky ones it's just this bizarre quirky um, way that he presents almost sometimes like a, a comic strip or just flicking between pages like that a lot of scenes in a Wes Anderson films are like very static um, pictures with small moving elements in them and it and it does then read a little bit like a or watch like a comic strip and it was all the purest forms of this put together and every moment was relevant and spot on i just feel like it was the ultimate wes anderson and i th- i'm pretty sure this is of all the wes anderson films i've watched which is now seven this is my favorite <laughs> of them um i laughed out loud a lot in it i thought the plot was gripping the premise was great and kept you thinking and all the characters were really well written and developed and they're pretty much all the points that you can say in a film which make it good i don't necessarily have any elements where i can go to in the checkbox of what makes a great film to put any bad marks against it we'll obviously dive into the themes and (laughs) exactly what it left us with but i just thought this was wes anderson at his finest and we had to go back to uh, one of his earliest to get that and I just didn't expect it going in I didn't know what it was about and it just delivered on all fronts so yeah Rushmore I just thought it was sublime what about you Callum? Um, I really liked the obvious I mean I, I, we've said before when we've reviewed Wes Anderson's movies in the past they are they have a an eccentricity to them that I think taps into the 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 complications and the heart of society like i mean when we watched um the uh well well when, when the grand budapest hotel for example we haven't reviewed that on here but one of one of one such movie really taps into the sort of the i don't know just the kind of like the nuances of of human of being human i think mm-hmm. in a weird sort of way like um 
Wes Anderson movies, they're all very delicate in how they they deal with um, big themes. Like in this movie, for example, like the fact that he goes, he's a middle class kid that goes to a private school, and like the way you understand the private school atmosphere and the private school experience is by looking at all these different societies that he's in and like somehow those societies are the things that are going to uplift him and I think that's quite an interesting critique of the American dream in a way because like what the American what the American dream promises is this idea that if you work hard and if you are interested in um, ideas or interested in um, different ways of expanding your own sense of self or doing something enriching you'll become a success and for max fisher he's in all these societies and it's kind of a way to impress the teacher that he fancies in a way but i also think it's because he feels like these societies are will better him he has to do it because it's important that you have extracurricular aspects to your life and there's just an element going on there about how the fact that it's set in the private school the fact that it's like he's not from money. I don't know. I think Wes Anderson's trying to say that maybe um, that American dream idea can work if you if, it, if, if, if everything aligns. But then at the same time, he's also saying that it doesn't necessarily work because he ends up getting kicked out of the school, ends up going to a state school um, where he doesn't necessarily have the best time. But he, can, he, can, he still kind of acts in that um, sort of middle to upper class um, way and the stake school kids embrace it as well so I don't know and then it, the film culminates in in a live action performance of the Vietnam War and again even the themes in the play that he's written about Vietnam are all about camaraderie and pushing yourself and trying to be a better person all the time um, like be the change who you want to see in the world and all this sort of stuff I think Wes Anderson is trying to say that, that that it's kind of like a it's a critique of the American the pillars that make up American society in a way mm-hmm. I think I don't know, there's, a, there's an very, element going on there I think. he's a very anti-establishment figure yeah. and my read of that is that so basically he becomes friends with Herman, who's a lot older than him, and he basically likes him a lot more than his own children because they're very, like, um, laddie, mask- overly masculine, militaristic values. Um, whereas <clears throat> they form a, a bond because of his first willingness to take on the system, and Herman gives a speech right at the beginning of the film, basically slagging off the school. And he says that most people here have come from money and that's why they've got it. If you've not come from money, take aim at them and try and take them down. (laughs) And he comes up to him saying like, yes, I aligned with that. I agreed with what you said. And they become friends and he likes him because of that. But um, basically the, the character um, you say, so he's in all these like extracurricular, um, like, comedic amount like excessive amount yeah. of extracurricular yeah. which as you say the like the private school establishment suggests that that's how you make the man is that you be part of this and if you engage in these societies that what 
boost you up in the world. But he does, but his grades um, are suffering. And the suggestion that Herman makes in his speech is that, well, if he was there for money, that wouldn't have mattered because he would have kept it. They would just keep him going anyway because he's been paid there. But because he's on a scholarship and his grades aren't up to scratch, even though he's doing all the things that the system tells him to Mm. in the way of... um, starting all these societies and stuff he's in danger of getting kicked out so he's an anti-establishment figure in the way that he is saying i don't need the grades and stuff i believe that life goes better like this and he's very successful in the pursuits that he has but the establishment in terms of the school don't like that because they're not ticking the boxes and therefore he's not going to fall back of paying for it but what you said is that when he then goes to the state school he wins favor and his his way of going at the world, his zest for life, his willingness to take on the world still allows him to be successful, putting on the play, get, um, winning people over the business pursuits with Herman. That still works. But because he's in the state sector, he's not being crushed by uh, the private school. It's it's He's still allowed to flourish without anyone putting him down. And I think that's the point of the character there is that what Wes Anderson's suggesting is not, I don't necessarily think it is just about this idea of what version of the American dream is. I think it's a version of the, what, what he's saying is that when the private education sector welcomes people in, even when they perform to their standards, they're still trying to find a way to put you down. And it's that establishment class doesn't want to get broken into. And here's a guy who actually, you know, he's a bit of a, a hustler, a bit of an entrepreneur, you know, he, he makes things happen. But because technically his grades don't fit in, they find a way to put him down, even though that's what they encourage in their students. And I think there's some kind of conflict there. And as you say, there's a, a huge semi-autobiographical element to, from Wes Anderson. You can feel the frustration in it because it's almost saying... The person who takes on the world and goes to get it. And I think this is probably where, as you say, the element of the American dream comes in because it says, the American dream says, go out and get what you want, do it, find ways to make it happen. He does, but the establishment still put him down. But he finds a way when he breaks out of that establishment, even though he didn't want to break out of it, to still be successful. And I think that's where those things rub up against each other and you get that tension. But I like how he is set as this anti-establishment figure within an establishment, but still finds ways to thrive in an overly comedic way. Um, So I'll fully get that. And I really like that element. Yeah, no, definitely. And also the... um... The thing that I quite like as well is that like his character is set in con- is so much in contrast to um, Bill Bill Murray um, Herman's sons. Yeah, like his his sons, I find really, really well. I don't find them funny. It's just that like they are just the complete embodiment of um, jock frat boy. They remind me of Donald Trump's kids, like. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that's that's exactly what Wes Anderson is is getting at. It's just that these like you know these overgrown like boisterous blonde twins, um, useless. But then they thrive in in a in an environment in a military school environment. And there's that line when he's like, "Oh, how's the how's the kids getting on?" It's oh great, they're having a great time. They're off at military school, and it's like, yeah. But I think what Wes Anderson's trying to say there is that basically, like the tapestry of of America, 
is intimately wound up in this idea of patriarchy, masculinity, war, and that manner. And it's it's no no coincidence that it's all set in this sort of like private school kind of environment as well. I mean, it, uh, there's definitely something going on with the Vietnam thing at the end, in the sense that like I mean, Vietnam it, it it's in every it's in every I mean like American film nearly or at least the legacy of it i mean there's that famous um line from the coen brothers movie the big lebowski and it's like he goes um not everything's about viet fucking them man. <laughs> like and it's just it, i think what wes anderson's trying to say here the fact that like even even the kids are doing live reenactments of, of vietnam it's yeah. just like you can't escape the memory of vietnam because vietnam happened at a time when you know, America as a country was having a crisis of race, masculinity, economics, hippie culture, women's rights. It was every there was like so much change happening around the context of Vietnam that completely redefined what it meant to be an American. And what Wes Anderson, I think, is trying to do here is that for these kids in this school, for them coming of age in this chaotic environment is the equivalent of Vietnam. And, like, I think Wes Anderson's saying that as a joke. Yeah. Like, to say that, like, oh, it's like Vietnam, isn't it, coming of age? It's yeah. just, like, yeah, I just yeah, found yeah, it yeah. quite funny in a way. I mean, that scene is hilarious. Like, Brilliant, yeah. And, again, part of the eccentric comedy that works so well, but I love... It shows him putting on multiple plays throughout the film. Yeah, um, yeah. And... One of them that stood out initially was he's got like this mafia kind of like cop film. Yeah. But the hilarity of like young school kids and some really young in it playing like these really intense, like overly dramatic dramas. Yeah. And they've got like proper shoot ups and like really dark themes. And then the end of it where like this set design for, like, <laughs> at, in a high school gym for this Vietnam film. And it's like the production value on it is through the roof explosions left right and center and like dark dark heavy themes it's just i couldn't stop laughing watching it because it's just he builds it so well like this 15 year old lad's written this play started it and pulled together like a, a film level um production in a high school gym it's like it's just hilarious and that is Wes Anderson humor at its best and like you say it makes those points and it it gets you to those themes but just one of the biggest wins of this film is just how hilarious it is on that quirky obscure comedy and absolutely love that like I mentioned to you earlier one of my favorite lines of the film is when he goes to see the the principal of the school and he's saying oh, yeah, how, like trying to convince br- him not yeah. to kick him out because his grades have gone dodgy and um, he's been a bit too the establishment <laughs> and he says oh like dead blase I oh, remember why you uh, <laughs> let me in it you gave me a scholarship didn't you because I wrote a play oh yeah just a just a little one act about Watergate <laughs> just, <laughs> just, <throw away laughs> comment, just funny little lines like that which I adore about Wes Anderson and this film was absolutely that all over um, and yeah <laughs> that scene was epic yeah the one thing I really like another thing I really liked about that as well is that obviously you got the like the Watergate thing and all that sort of stuff but the soundtrack I think is really really good because the soundtrack, I think, sets the scene for this coming-of-age um, 
movie. I mean, it's all British invasion music, basically. Um, and I think that is the thing that fuels the spirit, the spirit of the movie in a way. Um, but- yeah. Absolutely, and you know, it has got spirit, and Wes Anderson's films have a spirit in them that, even though they're weird and quirky, it's seen through a certain lens, and that lens often is a kind of anti-establishment going against the grain view. But like, like you said earlier, really well, and I like what you said. Like, it looks at the the strange and weird elements of human existence, which are sometimes a bit smaller and unnoticed, but makes a big thing of them. And which is in itself very funny, and I think a lot of humour comes from those elements that like you say, which aren't necessarily the big themes. It's just little things that he's picked up on from seeing through a certain lens. And when you get that, when you get it, it really resonates. And and, and this one resonated as much as I think a film can do. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, um... one thing I wanted to just steer to, um, yeah. actually, before we get too deep into that, was also I think this is probably one of the biggest themes running through it, and one of the biggest bits of the plot is <clears throat> is pursuit of his his teacher, oh, yeah. Miss Cross, yeah. and how that kind of weird, messed up love triangle plays out between him, her, and, and Herman. Like, what was your read of that? Because obviously, it, it plays a pivotal part of his journey through the film arguably he's coming of age but his what i've written down here as a note is youthful ambition like uh, and also put flawed ambition like is he very much has this big zest for life which is really you get behind him but then he places it in ways that you're like that's wrong and he's flawed and he makes mistakes um, but in the end, he kind of comes through on it. But what do you think? What do you make of that storyline? And what do you think it does? What purpose does it serve throughout the film? Um, I don't know. The thing is, like he, the whole sort of fancying the teacher thing. It's quite a famous sort of like coming of age trope, isn't it? This idea that when you're young, you tend to fancy um, people who seem more mature than you. Um, and you try and act a little bit more mature to get them to notice you. If you fancy someone that's older, I mean, there's a scene when they're at the restaurant. And he's having ordering whiskey and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that's again yeah, another great, brilliant, scene. really, really funny. Um, but that, I mean, that's just that's that's Wes Anderson basically sort of hyperbolizing the infatuation that you might have, um, or maybe is it hyperbolizing it, or is it just saying that like when you're really young and naive. Um, you know, feelings are a lot more heightened, aren't they? Yeah, but and when that when that storyline plays out in a a film like let's say a nineties film, teen film, it's often like a fantasy yeah. scenario, and it's played out of this like innocent, naive, young lad, and then oh, okay, well you're looking at this like angel, mystical figure of the teacher, and then now and again, you know, there's a there's an odd things happened or whatever. Whereas this is like. It's a strange practical look on it, as if like what happens when this infatuation is taken seriously and plays out through the reality of how you pursue someone, and and then in a weird way. So it's not just this kind of like fantasy element. It's like, oh, I'm really into you, so I'm now, I even though I'm the student and you're the teacher, I'm going to pursue this in the way that I would pursue someone else. And then it just, like you said, the weird small things of life, it grabs onto the details. Of that. Well, it does, but there's also a, um, 
a weird element to it that made me really think about what the purpose of this was. I mean, there's the bit when he sneaks into her yeah. room on the bed and pretends to have been hit by a car, which is quite funny. But then at the same time, it's also quite weird. Yeah, um, sure. But there's elements of it there where it's just like, it made me think, oh, is this, you know, this is just a bit strange. But then at the same time, a semi-autobiographical reflection, it would, you know, you look back on the stuff that you did when you were younger and you think, oh God, that was a bit weird, wasn't it, what I did? Or that was a bit strange. But then you don't, but looking at it through an adult lens, it's, we're, we're, I think we're meant to be a bit disgusted by it in a way. It's like looking through the wrong end of a telescope when you look back on your childhood um, through an adult lens, you have a completely different perspective. And what this film is all about it is about perspective, isn't it? In the sense that like you've got a kid who's growing up and he, as he's coming of age, you feel like you're understanding his journey in a way, which is exactly what growing up is. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was, it's quite a subtle way of unpacking what it means to grow up in a way. Um, like there's the bit when um, he goes into the classroom and he's, um, and she's like, go away, go away. What are you doing? Go away. And he's like, no, 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 wait, please, please. But then again, is that, is that where Anderson sort of, writing a character that's coming to terms with his youth or is that Wes Anderson sort of like critiquing how we perceive relationships in the context of coming of age I don't know so it's an interesting dichotomy that is a trick and mm. this is what I again like about the Wes Anderson style is that yes we dive into themes but it's, it's there's a lot of reads you can go into and that's why I like it I think the idea there is you're meant to enjoy the film in the sense of its humour mm. and its perspective and how it's a bit weird and quirky, but it leaves you a bit scrambled, but in the way that, okay, here's a few common tropes of films, but put in a different way. So what do they mean? What do they represent in that way? Maybe he doesn't even know, but it's, it's challenging you to look from different perspectives no, I, on I things think that, that you feel comfortable. I think, or I think that's what he's trying to do. I think he, the, the whole point of those scenes is to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable and reflect yeah. in a way. And I, th- I think that his pursuit of Miss Cross as well is serves the purpose, firstly, for the classic coming of age of, okay, he has his kind of like downfall crisis where he goes, oh, I can't have her. Everything I've done before, this is meaningless. I did all this for you. But then has the rediscovery of himself and then his friendship of Herman after they have this ridiculous falling yeah. out. Um <laughs> And he clips his brakes and gets uh, arrested. Which, <laughs> um, again, hilarious. Um, <laughs> but then he has this resurgence. They become friends. They do all this mad stuff together. Build a, a $7 million aquarium. <laughs> I forgot about this, that. <laughs> he, put, <laughs> he put, puts on this oh, overly elaborate play about Vietnam and the gym. <laughs> and he has his redemption. And then he then realises... Oh, actually, this was an infatuation which served the purpose of allowing me to grow. But I realized that it wasn't just her that I loved. It was my love of... Because he says... Herman says to him at one point, oh, she was my Rushmore. And, like, suggesting to him that, you know, he was obsessed with Rushmore and what it meant to him. And he acknowledges that. But he says she was mine as well. So there's some great kind of, like... (laughs) archetype um like romantic drama lines in there but it's funny because he's a 15 year old in this middle-aged man but what i think 
it then goes on to do is that he has this kind of redemption of, oh, look, it wasn't just my love for her. It was this, my love for life, this zest for life that caught up in this infatuation. And really, he comes out of it as a character who is someone who takes on the world and wins, even against the odds. And that's why you can't help rooting for him, even though he's flawed and does a lot of flawed things. And he then brings people together at the end. Mm. And it's a suggestion. And I think Wes Anderson does this in a lot of his films, that pursuing beautiful pursuits, artistic pursuits, in the end, even though produce a lot of flawed people, bring people together because they are, at their core, good and true and pure the tricky thing i find at the end of the film is how that it finishes with him doing this play bringing people together he gets a girlfriend of his own age brings her and miss cross back together his dad it suggests start, goes to dance with uh one of the women his age and then it's kind of like boom redemption everything comes together nice closure but then the final scene is then them going onto the dance floor to um a rod stewart song i can't remember what the song is um what was it because it's the lyrics of it were relevant do you remember which one it was i can't remember i can't remember Anyway, oh, that was it. It's, uh, I wish I knew what I know now when I was younger. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the yeah, lyric yeah. that comes in, um, which obviously is then a big point as to how this is about um, nostalgia, but then looking back and connecting. And there's a big similar theme that goes through the film Liberal Arts, if you've ever seen that, um, where it's basically about a guy who went to this university um becomes a professor but then goes back and meets a girl who's like an undergraduate there and they fall in love for like a meeting of minds basically and then there's that suggestion at the end where they like go on the dance floor look at each other and you're like the curtain draws and you're like is the suggestion here that this romantic endeavor is going to be pursued or is it say is it just saying no they're happy with how it's turned out or is this idea there to be that minds like that will always be drawn together. And even though the scenario can't play out practically how it may look, it actually benefits a lot of people when those minds do come together. It brings more people. And there's even though there's so many flawed elements to it, we should bring artistic and joyous minds together to create things. And I know that's a long convoluted way around the plot, but I think that at the core of it, that infatuation is a classic coming of age um, but I think the end message is that his love for the world wins out in the end, no matter what it's driven by. And there is beauty and pureness to be had by bringing those type of people together. And I think that's why I really like it, because I like a film that's a deep and introspective. But in the end, even though there is there is cynicism, there's still optimism at the end of it and i think this is why i thought it was bordering on perfection because that's how it how it uh came together i in mean the sorry i just had to pour that i was out gonna color, say yeah wow, I think <laughs> that's that's that was my main read that's what it meant i mean i mean you could uh, it could just be Wes anderson writing about the woman that he lost and then his own fantasy of filmmaking like it ends well for him it could just be that. <laughs> Maybe. I'm sticking with mine, though. I'm sticking with mine. Yeah. But I just connect... When you connect with it, I felt like I really 
it, it spoke to me that element of it. No, I get that. I get, I, I, said, get like, I get that. Yeah. It's obviously we both feel that we found a connection in the the quirkiness and the the lens that Wes Anderson uses. But I really connected with that with with the main character of this element of he's trying to take on the world and win in a way that he might not necessarily know the rules of the system or he doesn't necessarily think the rules of the system work for him, but he will just keep going at stuff because there's some mm. kind of bigger drive than just winning within the system. There's a drive beyond that. He put, like he turns his hand to anything, but it's all in the pursuit of something bigger and he gets knocked down, but in the end it comes through. And even though he makes mistakes, people admire him for what he does. And that's what wins people over in this world, it's not just ticking the boxes. It's going after something and, you know, with a pure heart, really. And I think that's what he's got in the end. Very idealistic and very optimistic in a way. Yeah, and I like that. I think, quite, that, quite I think uplif- that resonates Quite uplifting. Definitely, definitely. Right, let's wrap let's, this up, Callum. Yeah. Can you give me... Give me your... I mean, I've already said loads there, so I think I'll have to be brief when I when I wrap up. Uh, but you give me your final thoughts of what did this give you? Where did it take I you? Mean, what was it it's, it's a great movie. I mean, I'm going to give it 8 out of 10. Um, it's a great it's a great movie. I did enjoy watching it. Um, and it's funny. It's classic Wes Anderson in the sense that, like, it, you know, picks apart the minutiae of human life and sort of, like places that minutiae in absurd contexts um which i i always I, I like about all of wes anderson movies um mm-hmm. it's really optimistic and uplifting which is probably why the cynic in me is kind of like well it doesn't end it doesn't <laughs> always end like that does it you know what i mean <laughs> like i'm just like mm, interesting interesting wes right we'll see is that how life is is it um but no i quite liked how it played with those ideas of those american pillars i guess uh vietnam yep. war and quite f- comically taking the piss out of it the fact that it's like the characters in the movie it's children taking the piss out of um an event that has been almost exclusively told to us by people three times their age i think is actually quite an interesting idea yeah um this sort of like coming of age idea um yeah, eight out of ten. It's a great, it's a great little movie. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Callum. Well, I think as you've realised already from my uh, ramblings throughout this one, absolutely adored this. Um, yeah, I think it's got to be my favourite Wes Anderson film. I, straight away, the comedy of it was amazing. Not just the jokes and the quips, yeah. but Comedy's the settings great, yeah. of it. Like you say, using children and even quite young children in some settings to make quite big social commentary. The plays that he puts on are just hilarious. His, Max Fisher, as the lead character, I love that character. I think one, I could relate to many of those themes. It resonated, but also the humour of this really well gotten together character at 15 who's doing all these big things and in the world and taking it on there was so much comedy in that like i said that line about watergate really had me in stitches um and an unbelievable ending <laughs> to the film as well it's fantastic um yeah i mean it dived into some good themes but and we've got into those but i think maybe for the first time 
the film itself and the filmmaking and the craft has really won me over rather than the themes, which is a really new one as we like to dig deeper and get into them. I'm not saying they didn't give anything, but I just I was just absolutely mesmerized by this as a piece of film. So absolutely 10 out of 10 like it's gone right up there as one of my favorites <laughs> um i thought it was fantastic um and also i said to you Callum, before we started recording that often on this podcast we use the word labored in criticizing films <laughs> that go on too long this was exactly the opposite of labored Every single second of this film was necessary. I couldn't have cut a, like, another bit from it. It was spot on. Rushmore, yeah, 10 out of 10. Well done, Wes Anderson. I'm sorry it's taken me this long to see it, but I will be watching that again. It's going straight on my Christmas list to watch again because I can't wait to devour it once more. <laughs> thank you very much. And thank you, Callum, for thank diving you. in. We've yeah. watched another Wes Anderson. We've reviewed another Wes Anderson. Uh, we reference now and again the lost tape of the French Dispatch of Wes Anderson. This yes. was actually the second one we've put out. We have reviewed three, but I think that might never see the light of day. I'm teasing this. this. The, ba- the, base, the, the archivists are going to be in there and recover it. But we, we talk about that and try and get that uh, nightmare memory of the technical issues we are trying to record. That one. But we got this one down. It's in the can, and I'm so glad we did. Thank you once more, Callum. And I tell you what, this has been a great film to leap into our big weekend of chit-chat, putting the world to rights and film-loving in London this weekend. Can't wait to get down. It's going to be great. And podcast listeners will tell you all about our trip. But until then, we're going to leave you. Keep watching films. Watch Rushmore over and over again, because I will be doing. And let us know what you thought of it as well. We'll keep diving in to different films, classics, new ones, anything that's coming out and we'll be back for more reviews but thank you Callum I'll see you again thank you listeners that was another episode of the Glass A Film Club podcast until next time see you all later